major opera singing or anything like that here this morning. I don't think my voice would handle that. Ah, it looks like I'm going to have a guitar player at least for a few minutes till he gets bored. Um, <clears throat> so uh, feel free to, uh, to pick a song and to share your testimony along with that song, why that song means something to you. Uh, whatever, uh, whatever you have on your heart, it doesn't have to be just that. If you have a prayer request, testimony, what the Lord's done for you this week, um, just feel free in between the songs to share that. If you want to request prayer for yourself or anybody else, praise report, whatever it may be, just uh, uh, let's use this time as just a time of sharing and singing and worship. So I figured I'd start in our red book, The Faith and Praise, with a few songs of worship to our Lord. So let's start with number 144, a song of worship, O Worship the King. That's number 144. O worship the King, all glorious above, and gratefully sing His wonderful love. Our shield and defender, the Ancient of Days, Pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. Thy bountiful care, what tongue can recite? It breathes in the air, it shines in the light. It streams from the hills, it descends to the plain, and sweetly distills in the dew and the rain. Frail children of dust and feeble as frail, in thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end. Our Maker, Defender, Redeemer, and Friend. Doesn't that uh, sum it up, that last line, the relationship we should have with our Heavenly Father, our Maker, Defender, Redeemer, and Friend? Sometimes we just will pick out one of those or maybe stop halfway through or even stop after Redeemer and forget that not only is He all that, but He's there to be our friend from day to day. Anyone have anything to share? All right. Number 109 in your green book. Jesus, the very thought of thee. 
number 109. It's in the green book. Jesus, the very thought of Thee, with sweetness fills my breast, but sweeter for Thy face to see, and in Thy presence rest. Nor voice can sing, nor heart can frame, nor can the memory find a sweeter sound than thy blessing. O Savior of mankind, O hope of every contrite heart, O joy of all the meek, to those who number 76 in the red book the faith and praise and it's probably one that uh, most of you don't even need uh, the book for hopefully you know this one how great thou art Sings my soul, my Savior God. 
circumstances he might have us in, um, an understanding that he's in control and, and it's through his love for us that he puts us where we are and allows us to go things we go through <laughs> so often, and I, I speak for myself here, it's, it's so easy to spend so much time wishing things were different or trying to make things different. And that's um, 
you know, trying to better yourself in, in many ways is not wrong in, in and of itself, but if it comes from a, a heart of, of discontent, which I know is too often true in my heart, I found that it's because I'm not embracing the love that Jesus has for me and understanding what he's doing in my life is because of his love for me. So that's been some of my thoughts this week and a song that uh, talks about his wonderful love for us, number 147 in our Red Books here. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. How marvelous, how wonderful his love for me. That's number 147 in the Red Book. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall Shall ever be high. 
Sister Linda here has been letting us know about her knee surgeries that are coming up. You're doing both knees, right, Linda? Do you want to tell us a little about it? It's just that they're both wore out, so the doctor said it's better doing both because most people, after having one, chicken out and never have the second one, and if I do that, then they'll throw my back out forever because one will be worn down and the other one will be new. So I'm going on unknown strength that I don't have, <laughs> and uh, hopefully God's carried me through worse, so he'll get me right through this one along with a lot of uh, my good doctor and a good rehab hospital. Amen. So I asked Linda if we could just come around her and pray for her. Uh, she's scheduled for... Oh, no, you can just stay seated. It's fine. That way you can give your knees a break. Um, uh, but anyone who wants to join us, men or women, uh, just we'll just kind of circle around her. Her, her. It's scheduled for Thursday, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 2 o'clock on Thursday. Okay. We can just um, take turns praying and, and I'll close. Dear Lord, we thank you for Linda and the gift that she is, Lord, not to only to us but to you as yes. well. Father, I pray that you would equip her and give her strength and grace for the upcoming uh, surgery on Thursday, Lord. I pray that you would fill her heart with peace and comfort. And Father, we know that she's very happy to get this behind her and she's waited a long time Lord, for this surgery and I just pray that you would protect her and watch over her, help the doctors to um, operate in a successful way Lord, that everything would go well and I pray that you would heal her quickly. Father, we know it's huge to have both knees done at one time, but Linda's a warrior and that's what she wants to do, Lord, and I just pray that you would give her extra grace and strength as she recovers from this. And we love her and we thank you, Lord, for her. In Jesus' name. surgery coming up that you uh, help and, and that this surgery would go well. Yes. And Lord, uh, just the recovery would be good and, and Lord, just the strength in the knees. And we're thankful that there are uh, opportunities to get surgery for things yes. in our lives, Lord. And just be with be with her sister, Lord, and help her to recover and, and be able to run again. Amen. Amen.
And Father, as we lift up our dear sister, Lord, we ask that you would touch her with your divine grace and healing. Lord, the doctors can do many things physically, but they can't do anything spiritually. And I pray, Lord, that you would touch her from the inside out, that you would strengthen her inner man with all might by your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, that she would be able to walk through this surgery trusting in you with all her heart. And then yielding her life to you, Lord, and then you would raise her up. And as all the others prayed, Lord, that she would strengthen her knees, that she would be through going through recovery, Lord, resting in your love and in your care for her. We also pray for her husband. Uh, what was his name? Ron. Ron. We pray for Ron, Lord, as, Lord, as he walks with her by her side, takes care of the house, and it, this is also a journey for him. And we lift him up before you and pray that you would bring your salvation to his heart, Lord, and, and he would be able to trust in you, Lord, and just surrender his whole life to you, Father, and, and do this not only physical journey, but also the spiritual journey with his wife, Linda. We lift him up and we thank you for them and pray that you would be their shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. have anything they'd like to share or a testimony, prayer requests? Carrie's traveling this weekend, correct? When's he? Is he flying back then? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. Keep him in your prayers as well as he travels. Let's pray for the Hershey family. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for the Hershey family, for Carrie and Sarah and the boys, and for the place that you have them in, in your kingdom and the way that they serve you in the church, in their home, in the community. I pray, Father, a special blessing on each one of them, on their home. As they struggle with ongoing sicknesses, I pray, Father, that you would touch each one of their lives, that you would grant full healing if it's not against your will, and that most of all your, your grace and peace would be fully upon them and fully evident in their lives. I pray for Carrie as he's traveling. I pray that you would give him safety and, and peace to the family during the loss of a, of a grandmother. I pray, Father, that you would uh, touch them during this time as well. Thank you that you are a Heavenly Father, that we can come to you with these requests and that you care and that you hear and that you heal. 
And so we commit this to you, Father, praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we lift up together, Dean. Father, I thank you that, as Anthony prayed, we can come together as your children and let our requests be made known to you. And you invited us to come, Lord. You told us you would, that men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. And that, Lord, you, you also encouraged us to be anxious for nothing but to, in everything, let our requests be made known unto God. So, Father, that's how we come, even in the struggles of our heart, the fears, Lord, the, the concerns we have for people, the, Lord, just the aggravations and frustrations of having things stolen from us. And I thank you, Lord, that you invited us you instructed us to lay up our treasures in heaven where thieves do not break through and steal. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us, all of us again this morning to lay up our treasures in heaven. But, oh, Lord, these things that people steal from us on earth can just really get under our skin and cause life to be inconvenient. So I pray for grace for our brother. Would you, I pray, have mercy on the thief? Would you save his soul, Lord, through this experience and draw him to yourself and Convict him deeply of his sin or her sin, Lord, and let them have them bring the truck back in repentance, Lord. I pray for that, Lord. We, we ask you for that. And we also ask that you would strengthen our brother and provide a way for him, Lord, both financially and for a vehicle. In Jesus' name, give him your grace today, I pray. And also for their, uh, for, for their mom and the, the struggles, Lord, that they're... Walking through there, Lord, we just lift them up before you and know that you're the Father that can take care, good care of your children and give us the grace and the wisdom that you want us to have to be made like you in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, since we have a couple of the kids up here, how about if uh, the rest of the kids come sit up here and... And uh, maybe we can sing a, a kid's song or two that everybody can help us with. And then Sarah is going to have a story for you. Here, come, just come sit down. Come sit down on the front row here. Okay, we've got a few of you. All right. Well, you all know the song, Jesus Loves Me. That's easy, an easy enough song, isn't it? Do you, know all, do you know all three verses to Jesus Loves Me? You know all three of them? All right, well, let's see how well we know it. It's number 768 in our green song books, guys. So let's all join in and sing, Jesus Loves Me. Another song about the love of Jesus. You know, so often we consider this a kid's song. It's not just a kid's song, guys. Jesus loves each one of us. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so.
Okay, I've been thinking about the love of God lately. Um, and I have some verses. Say what? Oh, what does that have to do with the love of God? Mm. Ooh, that's a good idea. You have to wait and see. In John 15, 9 and 7, it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. Then, what? Anybody know? Yes. Okay. It says, no greater, greater love has no one than this than someone lay down his life for his friends, which is exactly what Jesus did. And he washed away our sins. Okay. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another." That's a lot of big words, huh? <laughs> okay, so pretty much what he's saying is that God gave us his love when we accept Jesus into our hearts and we ask him to come into our lives. God gave us his love, what? So that we just keep it in our hearts and we just love God, we know God, but that's all the further it goes. Why did he give us his love? Do you have any idea? He made us. Yeah, he made us. That's a good answer. He gave us his love because he made us. But what does he want us to do with that love? Uh, do you know, Katie? I don't know. No? Do you have any idea? What does he want us to do with that love? Love him. Yes, very good. He wants us to love him, and there's something else. Do you have any idea? No? Hmm. Oh. Uh, loves us. Loves us. Okay. He wants us to give it away. What? He wants us to love others. We don't want to just keep it inside and hold it all to ourselves. Oh, I'm so glad God loves me. I'm so glad Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I love Jesus. That's all that ever happens with it. He wants that love to actually pour out of us and to love others with that love. Does that make sense? You don't get it. So, you get it? Okay, it's really important. Hey, Blakey. <laughs> um, it's really important that we get it because that is how we show the world his love. That's how we show them Jesus. So I have something that I wanted to show you guys. To kind of help you remember. Um, Sherry, do you want to help me? Okay. JJ, do you want to help me? Okay. JJ will help me first. 
I want you to squeeze. This has water on it, in it. And this represents us, or our hearts, our lives. I want you to squeeze as much water as you can in this. And this re represents other people, other people in our lives. So squeeze as much water as you can in there. There's none coming out. Okay, Blake, you try. Let's let Blake try. Good job, JJ. See if you can get any water to squeeze out. Oh, there's a couple drops. Oh, try. Yeah. Oh, he got a little bit out. Good job, Blake. Okay. So this is like what we can, how we love people. There's just a little bit of water. Oh, we can love them a little bit, right? But what do we really need if we want to truly love people and water them with love? What do we really need? Tiffy? A lot of water. Whose water? We need God's water, God's love, right? Yeah. Okay, JJ, come try again. This time, let's soak in God's love. And this is as we get to know God and we learn more from him and he loves us. Whoa! Look at that. Good job. Sherry, do you want to go next? Okay, come, Tiffy. You go next. Good job. Look at all that water you got. Okay, fill it up with water from God's love. And then pour it in other people's lives. Oh, look at all that water. Let's go down the line. Blakey, you go next. Good job, Tiffy. Blake, see how much love you can get out. Whoa, look at all that water. Does God's love ever run out? No. no, after all these years, thousands and thousands of years, is his love still the same? He has as much love as he ever has, right? Because he is love. Okay, you can put it in there and get lots of God's love and then soak it up and pour it out. Pour it out. Good job. What are some ways that we can pour out God's love into other people, onto other people? Do you have any ideas? How can you love water as you can. Helping them? Helping them, yes. Yeah. To play with them? Yeah, maybe if you see someone who looks a little lonely and sad, you can show them God's love by going and playing with them. And if someone gets hurt, we can help them up. Yes, that's a great idea. If you see a friend or someone gets hurt on the playground, you can run over and say, here, let me help you. That's showing them God's love, right? Okay, you're last, Lexi. We got about halfway. See how much water you can get. Just fill it up. There you go. And pour it out. 
Because if we don't pour out God's love, we'll just get like a dry, nasty sponge, right? Like if our lives are like a sponge and we don't use God's love to pour out onto others, we'll just get dry and nasty. We won't really be useful at all in God's kingdom. But when we allow his love to flow through us, we can pour it out onto other people. And eventually, it'll be full and overflowing. But you know what? It never runs out. Isn't that exciting? Does that make sense? Okay, you can go back. What, Tiffy? We're going to dump it out. That looks kind of dirty. Right. Thank you, Sarah. Um, we come up with these great illustrations that I believe will uh, do well in uh, helping the kids to remember those truths. So, for a few announcements um, this week, as usual, uh, prayer time Saturday morning here at seven o'clock. Just an informal time for anyone that wants to show up. Uh, this was the week for. Uh, Wednesday night Bible study, but that has been uh, canceled due to a scheduling conflict. But next Wednesday, not this coming Wednesday evening, but the next? Is that already the 22nd? Boy, where's this year going? Hang on, there's not much of the year left. (laughs) So December the 22nd, if you have your programs, it's in there. Uh, Dwayne is inviting us all to join him in Christmas caroling. And uh, he'll have his tractor and wagon and kind of do, I guess, a hayride type of thing to go Christmas caroling around the neighborhood. So anyone that wants to participate in that, meet here at the church at 630. Uh, If you want to let Katie know that you'll be going, uh, please do that. And then there'll be a snack, coffee, hot chocolate, tea afterwards here. Okay. Either let Katie know. I think she has her number in here. If you don't know that, you can put it on our uh, church uh, media channel on Viber as well. Um, just let them know if you will be participating in that. Let them know sometime this week. That's not this Wednesday evening, but the next on December the 22nd. So uh, our next uh, Wednesday night Bible study then will be on. January the 19th. We'll just be uh, skipping the December one. So uh, continue to be in prayer for those that are traveling. Um, I believe John and Sarah are still in Florida. The last I heard, I think Sarah's feeling pretty good down there. So we're thankful for that. And I think they plan to be gone what, another week or two yet. On the 20th. Okay, so that's uh, coming up too. We'll be glad to have them back. But we're glad they're having a Good time in sunny Florida. Um, are there any other announcements? I think that probably pretty much handles it. Noah? Uh, I think you forgot to mention, if we get some prayer for um, Jamie and Jenny. Jenny's been sick this past couple days. Okay. Jenny's been pretty young since she's sick. So yeah. if we get prayer, we can get prayer for her and him. Absolutely. Let's pray for Jamie and Jenny. Father, we come to you and we lift up. Jamie and Jenny to you, uh, and especially Jenny as she's 
sick, I pray, Father, that you would bring healing to her and, and comfort and and Jamie during this time, give him strength and peace. Father, I pray that you would touch their lives and that this would be a, a time that they would continue to draw closer to you and, and rely on your love and your provision for them. We lift them to you, praying for complete healing, if it's not against your will, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I will give you about a five-minute break or so. There is tea, coffee, water, and such like back in the foyer. Please help yourself to that. Uh, if you're new here, our uh, restroom facilities are down that hall to my left. So feel free to take about five minutes, get yourself some coffee or whatever's back there, and say hello to your neighbor and try to get back in here fairly promptly, and uh, Phil will be preaching the word for us. Oh, I think one, one thing I did miss, I believe next Sunday our speaker will be Matthew Rydberg from uh, Windsor Christian Fellowship is going to be speaking for us next Sunday. Is that right, Phil? So we look forward to that and uh, fellowship with their family as well. So um, you're dismissed. Have a little bit of a break here. Get yourself some coffee and back in, in about five minutes. Chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I've been reading a book by Andrew Murray. I don't know how many of you have read his works. He was a preacher back in the 1800s, uh, traveled around the world but from South Africa. And he, he wrote many books. This, is, this one here, The Secrets of Spiritual Authority, is a, kind of a compilation of some of his books. If you like to read, this book will inspire you. And the one that I've been reading has inspired me because I've been thinking through this ever since our sister Laurie went home to be with Jesus. The one thing that has been, the Lord's been speaking to my heart in regards to Jason and Laurie's relationship and seeing Jason now being by himself and also with um, our friends, the Apodacas, Susan losing her husband and then their father going home to be with the Lord. I remember about a year and a half, maybe two years ago now, Jason and Lori had just begun to court and see each other and get to know one another. And it had been a few months, and uh, as, as I recall, and, and we were sitting together, Katie and I, with Jason and Lori, and we were talking about their relationship and working through some things. And... The Lord put this on my heart that part of the, of the, some of the things they were working through, which all of us couples know about, right? Anyone who's ever entered into courtship with another couple or with another person or even as married couples, there are things we need to walk through and work through in our relationship to understand each other. And the Lord put this word in my heart. You're not yet in a covenant relationship. And that's part of the problem that you're wrestling with. They had not been engaged yet to be married. And I, as I've been pondering this, the Lord just brought this back in my heart the last few months. The covenant relationship. And seeing the deep pain that our Jason and the Apodaca Susan and 
others are walking through, many in the world are walking through when their spouse goes home to be with the Lord. It's what you really are missing is that land, that life of promise. That's what it is. A married couple is married through a promise, a covenant that two people make together. And it makes a whole life of difference. It's life-changing. We all know that, right? How many, how many have been to a wedding? We've all been to a wedding. You've seen the difference. And then you, you got to know those people after the wedding. Wouldn't you be a little like puzzled and even troubled if after the wedding the two people who got married just went back to their normal life like they always were living the guy would go back and live with dad and mom the girl would go back to live with her dad and mom and nothing would change would that surprise you a bit what would you think about that in your heart would you be okay with that no we'd be like wait 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 i thought they got married there's an expectation that we all have that that covenant makes a life-changing difference. And I want to present to you, dear brothers and sisters, and to remind you again today that Jesus, God, through Jesus Christ, has made a covenant with us, with people. And... He wants us to enter into that covenant relationship with Him. And it's life-changing forever. And if you and I attempt to go back to our normal life, before the covenant, entering into that married covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing goes well. It's odd, it's abnormal, it's as weird as it looks. And you know what? It's self-destructing to the covenant relationship. Do you think that couple could really have a home, a family, if they continued to live separate lives? Not a good one, right? Not a very good one. We all know that through divorce, which is all over the world. Very frequent, unfortunately. And the pain that children have to deal with, with divorce. Mom living here, dad living over here in their separate lives. And the Lord talked about this all through his love letter. Now, Sarah, when you were talking about being poured out, the love of Christ being poured out of us, my mind went to Philippians chapter 2. Apostle Paul spoke about this to the church at Philippi. He says in chapter 2, verse 17, But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. And you too, I urge you, Rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. So Paul lived that. And you know what? You just drank from his life. You just took a drink. 
Do you still drink from Paul's life? I do every day. His, the words in his life, the Holy Spirit uses to this day. It doesn't end with his physical life on the earth. And neither does yours and mine. When we, like Apostle Paul, are willing to soak and immerse ourselves into this cup. This ocean of God's love. The letter of love. And you fill your heart and your mind with his words of love. It'll come pouring out of you every time someone squeezes you and rings you. How do you think that rag, kids? You enjoyed that, didn't you? How many of you children enjoyed squeezing the rag? But do you think the rag enjoyed it? How many of you think if that, if that towel that you wrung out could talk, what do you think it would be saying right now when you go like this to it? Twist it all up. Right? Leave me alone. What are you doing to me? Well, that's exactly how God's love comes out of you and me. It doesn't come out neatly folded on the shelf. Pretty for everyone to look at. It's when someone takes you off of your shelf, your pretty nice shelf life, and puts you, immerses you into cold water, picks you up, and squeezes you, rings your life apart. That's when God's words of love come ringing out your tongue. Is it? Not if you're not full of it. Not if you don't immerse yourself in it. So dear child of God, if you're struggling with people ringing your life out, and you wonder why the love of Christ isn't flowing from it. Perhaps you should consider how much time you spend immersed in it. Oh, it makes a difference. Believe me. The less you spend, the less will come out. That's just the way it is. The law of God is so with us. So, in thinking about this covenant relationship with Jesus, 1 Timothy chapter 1, I've been soaking myself in the book of Timothy and Titus lately. And it's a good book for a guy, a young man like me, to soak myself into. How many of you young men know that? You done that? Soaked yourself in Timothy and Titus? There were two young men who were co-workers of Apostle Paul, and they, they did life with him. They did life with him. Timothy, in particular, Paul met this young man on his first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas were sent out by the church at Antioch to go preach the gospel to places the gospel had never... People had never heard of Jesus before. They were sent out there to preach. And Paul meets Timothy at Lystra, one of the, those towns in the first cities they came to. And Timothy somehow was intrigued with Apostle Paul and he just like clung to him. He wouldn't leave his side. And for the rest of Paul's life, Timothy stuck with Apostle Paul. And Paul even calls him my own son. In verse 2 he says, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. And Paul wasn't just, you know, flattering Timothy. 
That's exactly what it, the relationship was like. Like a true son to Paul. So, you know how I take this word? I remember years ago sitting in a conference. And the Lord did a tremendous work in my heart. Before that, I was very religious. But I was empty inside. And that week, the Lord brought me to that full surrender to Him. In a way I had never experienced before. And filled me up. And immersed me. And the first letter the Lord gave me that week was this letter. And you know how the Lord spoke it to me? To fill my true child in the faith. Have you read this letter from God that way? You're his son and you're his daughter. Put your word there. Your name. To Lucas. My true son in the faith. Jesus is saying. To Nathaniel, my true son in the faith. To Patrick, put your name there. To Megan. And if you read this book that way, like you're just got a letter from God. And he's speaking to you as his true child in faith. Change the way you've ever read this letter before. If you haven't read it that way, you should try it. I strongly urge you, this afternoon, don't delay. This afternoon, tonight, as soon as you get a moment, make it top priority. And read it, the whole letter, in one sitting, like that. Someone, God, just wrote you a letter. Amazing. In verse 5, he says this. Actually, I'm going to just back up and read from verse 2. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Grace. Well, how, how do you define grace in your life? Can someone give me any volunteers to tell what does grace mean to you? Have you ever asked God for grace? Anyone? What are you asking for? What did you ask for? Did you get what you asked for? Power. 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 Fuel. Okay. Endurance. Why do you pray for grace? When do you pray for grace? Hmm? Help. Help from above. That's exactly what it is. Grace in this Greek context is God's divine favor and influence. That's what it is. It's God saying, you and me, his child, saying, help me, Jesus. And Jesus jumping up. He's seated beside his father. He jumps up. She needs help. Hey, you, angel, go, give them assistance. Help them in just the way they need it. You know, Psalm 103 says his angels are ministering servants, ministering to the saints. And in case you think angels are just up there surrounding the throne and aren't paying any attention to you, guess what? That's not true. His angels were involved in your life this week. Every time you cried help, an angel was sent to help you. 
Jesus sent them. Jesus said we should be very careful how we treat children. Why? Why did Jesus say you should be careful about that? Such is the kingdom of God. Yes, and? And? Yes, every child has an angel coming before the Father. And that angel is watching over that child. So watch out. An angel will come against you if you deal wrongly with that child. That's what Jesus was saying. His angels are ready to be sent to help the saints. Hebrews chapter 2 says, His angels are sent to minister to God's people. God's grace. That's what you're asking for when you pray for grace. And he's saying to Timothy, Hey, Timothy, there is grace and there is mercy. Every one of us need mercy. When do you need mercy? All the time, okay, but especially when do you when do you ask for mercy? You just get up in the morning and say, Oh Lord, help me, I need mercy today. Well, maybe we do. I actually do. His mercies are new every morning, but why are you asking for mercy? Yes. We ask for mercy when we fail. When we fail the Lord. And you know what Paul is telling Timothy? God is saying to you and me. My true child, there is grace available for you today and all. There's mercy already prepared for your life today. You haven't failed yet, but I've already prepared mercy. I'm ready to give you mercy today in any way that you're going to fail me. And peace. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. To you, my true child in the faith. That's how God starts this letter. To you and me. Are you missing any of that? And oh, I don't know about you. But peace, I need all the time. I need that immersion of God's peace just flowing from his heart into mine. Do you think God is ever disturbed about any little thing that ever happens? No. And God has peace prepared to come and pour into your life to make your emotions and your thoughts and most of all your inner person come to rest in his love. Just come to rest. The other morning, Friday morning, boys and I headed out of here and I was a little bit, I was a little bit anxious because... My ELD wasn't connecting to the computer in my truck, and it had an update, and it said my equipment wasn't connecting to the equipment in the truck, and I was just like, dear Lord, please, please, Lord, let it connect. I can't drive unless that thing connects legally. I'm not allowed to move that truck. And I had a job to go do, two jobs that day. Right, Lucas? Yes. Oh, that's right. Well, we're not there yet. What happened first? I prayed and uh, it, worked. it worked. Miracle. I was helped. An angel came and touched it and made it work. I knew it. It shouldn't have worked. It said my equipment was outdated. I had to update the equipment, put a new hardware harness in it. I was like, the update did that? Why didn't they warn me about that and send me the new harness or, you know, no. Angel touched it. It worked. Okay, it's still working. Thank you, Jesus. Put the truck in drive and we pull out of the drive down here. And I heard a blum blum, and Lucas looks back and goes, 
God, there goes your wheel down the road. Hey, Dad, didn't you just pray and thank the Lord? That's what he said to me. You were just thanking the Lord, and now the axle broke. Now what to do? Your truck is stolen. Now what to do? Lord, I was going to church. I got up early and went in for my coffee so I could go to church, and my truck got stolen. What to do? There's a ready peace prepared to bring our souls to rest in those moments. Our souls get a little disturbed. Doesn't yours? It does. Whether they seem little or big. Our souls tend to get frustrated, wrung out. The angel called peace. Jesus, hey, they need peace. Their souls need to come to rest. Let them know I'm in control. And peace comes when you look up and say, help, Lord. Lord says, oh, I've already sent help your way. Even before it happened, I sent help your way. Rest. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything let your requests be made known to God. This is real Christian living, brothers and sisters. This is it. This is the covenant Jesus makes with us. And if you and I live in that covenant every day, we live in that promise of love. That relationship it is no longer a single man's life. You're doing life with Jesus. You're not single anymore. You're not doing it alone. Nothing. He's always there to fix it. But first, before he fixes it, he wants to fix you and me. Fix our hearts first. Then he'll take care of you. Because you know what I found? When my heart is fixed, when I receive grace, when mercy, I get mercy in my failures. Because he's already prepared it for me. And then I enter into that rest and I say, Lord, you're God. You knew this was going to happen all along. You'll take care of it somehow. You'll help me walk through it moment by moment and know what to do. So I rest in your love. But choose to come and rest in your love. That's the promise you made me today. Did you get this letter lately? How many of you read it today? Or yesterday? Or lately? Hmm? Maybe that's why you're missing these three things in your life. Maybe that's why when you're being wrung out, it's not rest. It's quiet. Peaceful around you. It's I That's how inside you're not outside maybe but those around you that's what your tongue's giving out. Why is this happening? I don't understand. And it's like you're just you know everybody around you is getting punched and socked with the tongue. Rest. 
When you receive mercy and grace, that's the only time you can rest. Just come to peace. And then he says this. Now, since you've gotten that from the Lord this morning, don't pay, verse 4, don't pay. He says, I urge you in verse 3, upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on in Ephesus, that's where Timothy was in the city of Ephesus, in order that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than fathering the administration of God, which is by faith. What do you listen to every day? Watch out what you listen to. A brother sent me this word this morning. I was so blessed. So I needed to hear this. Good morning, Phil and Katie. I pray that all the voices that you hear throughout each day, that the voice of God will be the loudest and the only one that reaches your heart. Which voice reaches your heart? Thank you, brother. You know who you were that sent that. You're listening. I tell you, our life is messed up with speculation. I found in my life many times the Holy Spirit saying to me, don't speak yet. First time you say some, you see something, we tend to say something. Almost like a second later, you see something, you want to say something. Right? How many of you struggle with that? Just wait a second. Maybe a minute before you say anything. And you'll be amazed. If you keep watching just for one minute, just look at the clock and shut up. Give yourself a whole minute. Look back at what you're seeing. And you'll be amazed at the, what you see differently. You'll be amazed. Because when we see and say immediately, it leads us into these rabbit trails of untruths. They're not true. They're speculations. There are things you think might be true about that person. Let me just give you a real little instance of something that all of us deal with. We're driving down the road every day, right? Those of us who have driver's license in our pockets. And the kids, well, you ride along and, you know, you see things too. Maybe you say something about what you see. And you're driving along, but guess what? You're not alone on the road, right? Okay, you know where I'm going with this, right? You see somebody do something you think is stupid. Just really dangerous and foolish. It may not even be on your side of the road. Has nothing to do with your car and your speed. But you see it over there. Are you quiet? Generally no. Exactly. Generally no. Generally we go, you're dummy. Or that was stupid. Or maybe if you're really Christian you say, Oh Lord Jesus, please give that person grace. But we usually say something, right? When we see something that we think 
isn't good. Give yourself one minute before you speak, and you'll be amazed at what you see and how you'll speak about it. Because I've found that when I don't, my Christianity becomes worthless at that moment. Have you found that out? Or are you deceived when you think what you said is worth a lot in heaven? Because you know it was recorded up there. Did you know that? The moment we die, Revelation tells us we'll be judged by two things, every one of us. The books will be opened, and everything you said and did will be read back to you. Jesus said that by every word that we speak, we shall give an account of, and we'll be judged. So it's written down. You think it'll stand the test of eternity? And then when you hear it played back to you, God will say, good words there, son. True words. Or will he say, oops, mere speculation. You know nothing of what you said. You have no idea what that person's going through and why they did that. And you just call them stupid. Hmm. It's amazing how much of our life runs on this fuel. Instead of the fuel of this book, fuels me, grace, like Christopher said, it runs on this fuel, speculation. I see, I think, and I believe it to be true. And therefore, I act upon it as well. Speculation. But you don't know that it's true. You just thought, you seen and you thought. But this book is truth. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. And so I found that when I take the moment and I make my Christianity worth something, I want to read that to you in case you don't know this word. In James chapter 1. He says this. Verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, you believe you're a Christian? That's what that word means. That's not a bad word. That's not religious as in religious as we think so. You know, you just go to church every Sunday. No, no. This word religious is, you think your faith is real towards God. You're a real Christian. You're not a joke. If anyone thinks himself to be a real Christian in the sight of our, uh, and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Zero. Zero. I think Jesus has a board and it's either one or zeros. That's our judge. The one is always his word. And every time it's my speculation, it's a zero. Zero that one. Hey, angel, another zero. Sorry. Another zero. Man, they really need my mercy today. <laughs> They're zeroing it out all, all day long through just their mere speculations. 
And there's mercy for that, dear brother, sister. When we ask, the danger is, if you don't ask for mercy for your zeros, you're worthless. Your faith towards God has profited you zero that day. And everyone around you who heard you, who's in your atmosphere, zero that. Your faith towards God that day just didn't do anything for him. Didn't do anything for that poor driver either, if he could have heard you. Right? Wow. Speculation. Are you living by speculation? As you receive God's grace, his mercy and peace, I tell you, if you don't pay attention to your speculation and bridle the tongue and bring it to Christ, you'll live empty. When they squeeze you, the water just won't hardly come out. Life-giving drinking water. Maybe water comes out, but not anything anybody wants to drink. And you know what's interesting? I was reading through Proverbs. And in Proverbs he says, He that curses is like one who drinks it in. You drink in the words you speak. Your own ears are taking in your cursing. And it says, it's like you clothe yourself with cursing and then you inherit the curses. That's what you inherit that day. Your own cursing becomes what you drink. And it's how you clothe yourself. It creates an atmosphere of complaining and murmuring and cursing. and It's like you're walking around with these clothes on. And then that's what that's what your day that's how your day goes. The grace, where is it? The mercy? I don't need it. I hate my day. I don't know why everything's going wrong today. My truck is stolen and this is going wrong and that. I tell you, if you live on your mere speculation, that will be your life. But Jesus, God, has made a covenant with you and I. And if you and I come into that promise of eternal life, not just eternity with Him, living eternally today, experiencing His life, His help, His mercy when we fail, and His peace is the end result. Our hearts are resting in His love. That's eternal life every day. Dear brother, sister, this is the covenant, the promise that God is making with you and me for every day we get this promise. And it's not a single man's life. But if you think you just can do it on your own and you walk away from the covenant, well, then you get the opposite, your mere speculation. And that turns very quickly into frustration Murmuring and complaining and the end result is cursing. You're just like Job. After a while you say, Curse was the day I was born. Would have been better had I never been born. Oh, would to God I would have been still born. Did you know Job said that? I did. Would to God I would have been a stillborn baby. Would have been better that way. That's how he was feeling. Do you ever feel that way? Come on, be honest. Ever? 
I do. There are times when we do. In a moment. Maybe we don't dwell on it very long because we know where it's going to lead us. But that thought crosses your mind. The beauty about Job is Job didn't stay there. Right? He repented and he came to God with it. And God sent help. And Job didn't sin in those emotions. Verse 5. But the goal of our instruction. Now remember, God is writing you a letter. Instructing you and me. How to live. Eternally. Today. How to live. Eternally. Today. But the goal of our instruction is love. From a pure heart. Or that word pure is simply cleansed. Your heart is cleansed. And a good conscience and a sincere, a true faith. Faith that works. James tells us, if your faith doesn't work for you, it's dead. Useless. Zeroed out. I heard a song years ago when I was a, a teenager. There was this, this Christian band that used to sing, if your faith doesn't work for you, it's like putting a screen door on a submarine. How many of you volunteer to go on that sub? Let's go. Let's go and try to get across the Atlantic in that sub. Wait, it's a screen door? Are you guys crazy? I'm not going in there. Where's the real door? What's going to happen to that submarine? Sink. What's going to happen to your faith? If it doesn't work, you'll sink into the abyss of that experience. That's where you'll sink. Your soul will go flat right there. It's like someone just took a nail and punctured your tire. You're not going anywhere. You're going to get stuck right here in this experience. Someone said something about you that wasn't true or you didn't think it was right or even just kind and pop! There goes your soul flat. Is it? Well, you know what? If your soul on the inside is a balloon filled with water instead of air, what's going to come out when they puncture it with a needle? Air or water? Water! What's going to come out of it if it's just air? Air! And it'll quickly deflate your life. How many of you have seen a balloon deflate like that fast? But if you fill the balloon with water, water comes out. And if it's clean water, you can drink it. Somebody can puncture your balloon, puncture your soul with a sharp word and get a drink. And it's refreshing. Out of your mouth, instead of cursing, contrary-wise will come blessing. They'll get blessed when they curse you. Wow. They'll get blessed when they speak evil about you. They'll get blessed when they cut you off. They'll get blessed when they steal your truck. They'll get blessed. Whatever they do to you, they will inherit a blessing because you live in the blessing of God's love and His covenant of His grace and His mercy and His peace. That's what they'll get from you. Did you know 1 Peter 3 talks about this? 
Very clearly, this is what it says. Verse 8. To sum up, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. This is God's word. Is it your life? But giving a blessing instead of the insult and of the cursing or returning the evil. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For, and he quotes, For let him who means to love life and see good days. Do you love life? You want to see good days? This is the only way. Refrain his tongue from evil and from speaking speculation. That's the word. God, you don't know for sure, but it sure seems like that, so you say it as if it is. Speculation. And let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears Attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? That's the goal of God's instructive love to us. Dear child of God, how do you receive his instruction? With this goal? The goal of being immersed in God's love? The goal of having a good conscience. Do you know why so many Christians struggle so much every day to meet this goal? It's because they don't walk in a good conscience. Does anyone know what your conscience is? Are you consciously aware of your conscience? Yeah. You know why? What's different between you and our dog down here, Bosker? What's different between you and your dog? What's the one big difference? You both eat. You both like to chase things, don't you? Come on, don't say you don't like to chase things. You chase balls and cars and money all every day of your life, right? We love chasing things. We chase something. We pursue something in life. Lucas. Okay. So, That's right. They don't have a soul, you know. That's why. They don't have a conscience. Now, you can train a dog, but you'll never train his conscience. He won't feel guilty about it. Because he's not guilty about it. There's no guilt. Now, he might feel badly when you yell at him. Well, who likes to be yelled at? Even the dogs don't like to be yelled at. But if you don't yell... If your dog does something, doesn't obey you, and you just say, come on, puppy, puppy, it's okay. You love all him, you know. Some people kiss him. <laughs> do you think he feels guilty? No. There's no guilt. But when you and I do something wrong, when we do something that, even though we don't know exactly where the verse is found, but we know it's wrong. When you say a blatant lie, you feel guilty. 
Yes, you do. Even a child does. They feel guilty. That's your conscience. And the goal of God's instruction is to cleanse our conscience. To take that guilt and take it away. That's his goal. That's why we get his mercy. And when you and I receive that mercy regularly through the day, it keeps our conscience clean, clear, right with God. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it tells us that's why we need to be baptized. Water baptism is the answer to God before all of the spiritual forces, both good and evil, that I have a good conscience towards God. God has cleansed my conscience. He's taken all of my guilt away. He's cleansed me from it. And before God, I stand not guilty of all of my sins. That's the importance of a good conscience. And if you don't live that way, If God's instruction doesn't cleanse your conscience, you live with a guilty conscience. And when you and I live with a guilty conscience, we stumble over all kinds of things. And you know what we stumble over the most? God's own instruction. It condemns us instead of gives us life. Instead of giving me his love and communicating his love from you, which is the goal of the instruction is love, a good conscience, and faith that we believe in him, that all things work together for my good. How do you want to get there? Get your soul there. A good conscience. Don't underestimate, dear child of God, how important good conscience is. And if you're sitting here today, you can get it right now. You don't need to delay a good conscience. If there's any guilt there or here in your heart, in your conscience, the Lord Jesus died for this very reason. And he stands ready to forgive you as soon as you turn to him and ask him to. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If any man sin. If anyone confesses his sin. Ah, okay, I'm getting it mixed up. Let me turn to it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And what else? Cleanse us. Cleanse us. What's he cleansing? From sin. Your conscience. He cleanses the guilt from all unrighteousness. See, whenever you and I do something that isn't right, we're guilty before God. But we need two things. We need the Lord Jesus to say, I forgive you. That makes our relationship right again. When you forgive your wife or your husband or your child, you don't hold them guilty anymore. But the thing is still there. That sin is still there unless he cleanses it away. Now, there's nothing to be guilty for. The sin hasn't only been forgiven, the unrighteousness is cleansed. That's what Jesus came to do. And if you want to do a really good study on this, read the book of Hebrews. 
where Jesus cleanses our conscience. In Hebrews 10, he tells us that we now have come to God by a new and a living way. Where Jesus cleanses our conscience, not only from unrighteousness, but also from dead works. Doing things to earn God's favor. And to God, they're dead. They mean nothing. You'll never earn God's mercy. You can't earn his love. He gives it freely when he adopts us. as his child. It's an act of love. When we adopted Michael and Lucas, there's nothing since that adoption day that they could do. And, and we have this conversation, so it's not awkward. Don't worry about it. There's nothing they can do to make me love them more. They can't earn the love that Katie and I have for them. They've been chosen because God put that love in our hearts and we obey God and now we love them as our sons forever. It'll never change. There's nothing they can do to make that love greater. Now, as our sons, they make me happy when they obey us. When they do what we want them to do, Life goes well, because that makes me happy, but it doesn't make me love them more. When they don't obey, then we need to discipline. That's what the Word of God says. That's how God loves us. When we don't obey Him, He disciplines us to correct us, because He loves us. But it doesn't make Him love us more. Do you believe that? That's what a good conscience brings you into. And all if you and I live for conscience sake towards God. Peter talks a lot about this. And you know why he talks so much about it? Because his conscience was cleansed. You remember the story? In the Gospels. Where Peter was asked if he knew Jesus. And a little girl said, Hey, weren't you one of his disciples? What did Peter do? Yeah, yep, I am. I followed him for the last three years. I left everything and followed him. Is that what he said? No. No, 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 no. I don't even know him. Huh. Okay. A little while later, around the fire, Jesus is on trial. Someone else says, Peter, you, I think I've seen you in the garden with him. One of the guys says, I think you are one of his disciples. Did I not see you in the garden with him when we arrested him? And Peter goes, no, but he doesn't only stay there now. What else does Peter do? Start swearing and cursing. I never knew him. Whoa. Okay. But the ah, issue isn't settled. Finally, someone else says, Peter... You, you, you talk like a Galilean. I think you're one of them. Cursing, swearing again. I never knew this guy. Never had anything to do with him. Can you imagine how foul-mouthed Peter got right there? You think he said that nicely? I don't think so. And Jesus is somewhere where he can see him on trial. 
And it tells us in the Gospel of Luke, the third time Jesus turned and he looked at Peter. How do you think Peter felt? In one word, how would you describe Peter's feelings? Sad. Why was he sad? Hmm? Horrible. Horrible? Why? Guilty. Peter stood guilty at Jesus' look. What do you think he's seen in Jesus' eyes? You think he's seen anger? You think he's seen revenge? You think he's seen any cursing in Jesus' eyes? I told you, Peter, I warned you, you would do this, and you just said this last night, a few hours ago. You would never do that, but you would die with me, you stupid Peter. I would guess Jesus' word, look, was probably sad, but more than sad. Let me ask you this. You will know exactly what was in Jesus' eyes if you yourself have seen it in his eyes. When you're Peter, what do you see in Jesus' eyes when you're Peter? Hmm? Mercy. That's what Peter seen. Do you know the difference between Judas and Peter? Peter repented. Why? Why do you think? They both had the same guilt. I mean, Peter's was actually worse. Because Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. He never said that about betrayal. But he did say that about denial. So I think Peter's sin was worse. You know what I think makes the difference? Judas didn't look at Jesus. That's what he missed when he was guilty. He just won out and he hung himself. He didn't come back to the cross and look at Jesus. And see his look. He missed it. And it killed him forever in hell. What the Bible says, he went to hell. Jesus said it'd be better if he wouldn't have been born. But Peter did worse, but he seen the look. And it saved him. He went out and wept bitterly. But when Jesus met him, do you know he was the first one after Mary? Paul says he first met Peter when he rose from the grave. First apostle. Jesus chose to meet. And we are not told anything about that meeting. We're just told that he met him. But I believe there's where Jesus redeemed him, loved him, where he found grace and mercy and peace with Jesus. And then Jesus keeps rescuing him. If you read John chapter 21, Peter goes back fishing. He's discouraged because he's only seen Jesus three times in 40 days, and he's discouraged and... He's, he doesn't know how to relate to this Jesus that's not with him every day. And Jesus shows up. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these things? And Peter again finds grace, mercy, and peace. Dear child of God, or if you're here and you don't even know if you're born again, Jesus is right here. 
in the midst of your failure, your guilty conscience. Look up. Look in to his letter of love. And see his compassion, his mercy, his offering of peace to you. He died for this. His covenant, his promise of eternal life to you. And you'll be changed just like Peter was. But if you don't look, if you walk through life with a guilty conscience and you try to find, release your guilt some other way, you'll die like Judas. But you don't need to. We can die like Peter. In all of our failures, we can find that grace, that mercy, and that peace. And Jesus today is looking at you. First Peter 3 says, For the eyes of the Lord are looking. He's looking to see who's looking back at him. I don't think Peter looked first. I think Jesus was looking at Peter, waiting for him to turn and look at him. And when Peter looked, Jesus was already looking. And he seen, and it saved him. Look, look, and be saved today. God bless you. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the? grace and mercy of God on your life this morning. Amen. Thank you for that reminder from scripture of how we need that and we need it every day. And it's available to us every day. Thank you for sharing that word with us. That'll bring us to the close of this part of our service. As usual, we have a meal that uh, we are invited to join us in. I think we got some nice chili and cornbread, and I'm not sure what else we got back there, but it sounds really good on a chilly day like this. So, it'll work quite well, I'm sure, and warm us up, and we'll have some good fellowship around that, so please join us in that. Stand on your feet if you're able, and we'll uh, have a dismissing prayer and a blessing on our meal. Father, I thank you for this time we've had here this morning. I thank you for your word and your truth and, and faithfulness that is shown through your word. I thank you for your grace and mercy that is available there for us each day to be poured out on our lives if we just accept it and, and ask you for that, Father. And we thank you for the many times that you just have poured that out on our lives even without us asking. But I pray, Father, that we would seek after that and seek after living for you. That we would draw closer to you this week. I thank you for your word. Thank you for the food that's been provided for us. Father, we pray your blessing on it and on our time of fellowship. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.